I'm Dr. Heather Monthy from the About the Tea and STEM podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. I really thought if I just didn't think about it, it would go away, but it didn't. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I was ashamed because there's so much stigma around having a mental illness and people look down on you for saying you have anxiety or depression and you're just categorized into this just stigma of negativity and it's not true. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast, one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and this is the last interview segment of the Summer Self-Care Series. And today we're talking about lies we tell ourselves and the lies that cause us anxiety and what we should do about them. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a brand new teacher or even gearing up for student teaching or if you've crushed that five-year mark. You know the one I'm talking about, right? The one that sort of determines whether or not you're going to make it in this profession. No matter where you are on your journey, this episode about the stigma surrounding mental health and how we take care of our anxiety and the lies that we tell ourselves is for you. Two weeks ago, I aired a conversation that I had with three teachers that are involved in the Burned In Teacher Facebook group. And if you haven't joined the group yet, I definitely encourage you to do that. Go ahead and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Burned In Teacher and join in on the conversation. But these women, it's kind of funny because they kind of schooled me a little bit. They reminded me that self-care is your self-care. You need to take care of yourself the way that best serves you. That's why it's called self-care. It's not called other care. (laughs) So they let me know that, you know, things that I was sort of poo-pooing without realizing it, like getting your nails done or getting a massage are actually really good ways depending on whether or not that's your thing. But in addition to taking care of yourself in that way, you also have to take care of your mental state and pay attention to the things that are happening around you. And that's also what these wonderful teachers reminded us to do. So this episode, as we talk with our guest today, who I cannot wait to introduce to you, this is a great reminder of how those two things have to work together, both taking care of ourselves physically physically doing those special things for ourselves that we just really enjoy and that bring us joy, but also taking care of the hard stuff, the things that go on inside of our brains and our hearts that we sometimes push aside. My guest today is Stephanie DeLussie, and I'll let her tell you a little bit more about her. And if you are on Instagram and you're a teacher, you've probably heard of Mrs. D's Corner. But today she's going to share her story of being diagnosed with anxiety and how she has decided to cope with it. Her unconventional way of taking 
taking control over her anxiety will inspire you not only to take control over your struggles with burnout and anxiety, but will help you to personalize your own strategies. Stephanie DeLessi from Mrs. D's Corner is a special education teacher and mental health advocate. She's hilarious, insightful, and so strong in her belief that we have to stop this negative stigma around seeking professional support if we need it. Listen, BITs, I know how you're feeling right now. You're seeing the back-to-school ads, the aisles, and even some of my friends are already gearing up for school to start again in a little over a week. I'm getting ready to work with some schools in the coming weeks and days ahead. If you don't get your mind and heart right now with how you're feeling before the year gets up and running, that burnout is going to creep in before you know it just like it did last year or the year before. You know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen? After that honeymoon stage of the new classroom of students wears off, you know what I'm talking about. You're shaking your head yes, I know it. So Stephanie is going to give you the kick in the pants you need to seek the support you need now so you can avoid listening to those lies that you'll begin to, to tell yourself and maybe even lies that you're telling yourself now as you're scrolling through Instagram and seeing all of the classroom reveals and all of these really beautiful classrooms that you have no idea how much money or time they spent on them. I see you because I've seen them too. And actually, Stephanie and I will address this in our interview. But before we dive into this interview, I have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my free masterclass. Plan your first nine weeks in 90 minutes. I've talked about this training and the potential of it happening for months. People have asked for it. And it all comes down to the most popular results from the teacher burnout quiz that I created. By the way, you can go to bit.ly slash BIT quiz to take it is burned and unbalanced. So whether you've had a plan for the perfect year before and it hasn't gone the way you wanted or you go into each year with an attitude of it'll all work out. There's still plenty of time to plan for a smooth and stress-free start to your school year. So if you're saying there's too much to do and not enough time, or you are so stressed out and you have so much anxiety around planning for those first few weeks of school, no worries, my friend. We are going to take some time together to help you to plan for a stress-free first nine weeks. We need to get intentional to see exactly where we'd like to land before we leap into another school year of planning, assessing, grading, and showing growth through, dare I say the D word, data. (laughs) There's no better way to build out your vision for the beginning of the school year than to be using technology to help you balance it all. So you can share, collaborate, and tweak anytime you need to. In this free training, you're going to learn how to start taking grades for your first nine weeks report cards before they're due. You're going to learn how to outline your weekly content for the first nine weeks of school. And the third thing is you're going to plan for grade and plan free nights and weekends. How does that sound? All you have to do to get registered is go to burnedinteacher.com slash masterclass. And you'll get all signed up for us to hang out together on August 1st at noon Eastern Standard Time. And don't worry, if you register and you can't make the exact time that I'm going live, there will be a replay emailed to you. So don't worry, don't stress. I gotcha. 
I know everybody's on a different schedule. Some people are getting ready to start school. I know you may be on vacation with your family or friends, soaking up those last worry-free days or weeks before you got to jump back in and start planning for your year ahead. So let's start it together. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash masterclass and let's hang out on August 1st at noon Eastern Standard Time. And again, don't forget, if you register, you're going to get a replay landing in your inbox whenever it's over. All right, now let's jump into my interview with Stephanie DeLessie, all about the lies we tell ourselves and how we can get closer to the truth. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm so honored to have you on here today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about you and your journey. You're on Instagram all the time, sharing your insights about anxiety and sharing your story, but Tell us a little bit about you and your journey in education. I am one of those people that have always wanted to be a teacher ever since I can remember. You know, that's all I've ever wanted to be. So it was just kind of natural for me to go to college for that. I graduated in 2010 with a dual certification in special ed and L ed. And I've taught in so many different states. Um, My husband and I have moved around a lot. And I've done pretty much everything from extended school year to teaching, you know, full-time in the classroom, self-contained, resource, inclusion, co-teacher, elementary, middle school, high school. I've really kind of hit it all. (laughs) You've done it all in a very short span of time. Yes, but I wouldn't change anything. And I know that you have moved a lot uh, because of your husband's career. So how many corporations or districts have you taught in? Oh my goodness. I've lost count at this point, six or seven. And they've been in the span between K-12? Yes. And I've done public school and charter school. So I've tried both of those. (laughs) Wow. So how many different states have you taught in? Georgia will be my fifth state. I'm not currently in the classroom, but I do have my Georgia teaching certification for when I do go back. Mm -hmm. So five states. Wow. That's incredible. So enlighten us a little bit. Is it really very different between states, you know, public charter, state to state? Tell us a little bit about that experience. Charter and public schools are very different, but they're also very similar. And as far as state to state, you know, being a special education teacher, we write IEPs and all the different laws. And a lot of it's the same, but how districts do IEPs and hold meetings and who's responsible for this or that, it changes. Mm Mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, even district to district within within a state. Wow. You know, and I've noticed too, I worked in a couple of different districts myself and the differences are, st- yeah. are stark, yeah. um, even within the same state. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting to hear too, because I think sometimes, you know, I've heard teachers talk about their state of, well, their state of education in their state. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think it's, I think it's hard everywhere. Yeah. Right now, and I don't know if you can really pin it down to to your state, but definitely depending on the leadership of the district and of the yes, yes, absolutely. Difference. So, of course, this is the Burns and Teacher podcast. So, yes. the next piece of this interview, I'd really like to talk about your struggle with burnout. And Stephanie, I asked you to be on the podcast for a specific reason because you consider yourself a mental health advocate. Yes. So I know that you struggled with anxiety in the past, but I'm curious about your struggle with burnout and if that was caused by the anxiety that you have struggled with or if there were any outside um, causes of your burnout. Looking back on it, you know, in the moment of when it happened, I was diagnosed with anxiety about two, two years ago, January of 
2017. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, in that moment, that time when I had decided to leave the classroom, I really thought that it was burnout. I was just like, I'm done. I need a break. And then I was diagnosed with anxiety and I hid it for a year. You know, I was ashamed. I was disappointed in myself to think that I got anxiety as if it was like a gift somebody gave me and I couldn't give back. <laughs> but then after going to therapy and they have you work through like, look back at your life and I want you to write down all of these things that you think contributed to your anxiety. And I really think that it was just this toxic blend of burnout and anxiety that just caused my life to derail at the point that it did. Mm -hmm. So what were your main, um, were there things that triggered your anxiety specifically or, or was it just a culmination of, of all of the things? And if it was a culmination, were there certain things in your school that were really bringing out that anxiety and that burnout in you? Uh, my, the year that I had decided to leave mid year was the year before that was the toughest year I have ever taught. And I was teaching self-contained, but I had seven students and the year started off with one para and I had to pretty much fight the district to get me another para so that I didn't lose my mind. Um, so that was really, really hard on me having to prove that yes, I'm a good teacher, but I need more helping hands than one para. And when I eventually got the other para, it helped. But I had seven kids on four different grade levels at seven different ability levels. And looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned so much that year and I loved those kids. But it also killed that teacher spark inside of me at the same time mm -hmm. that I had to fight for rights for these kids. And I think go I wasn't quite ready going into the next school year. I only had two kids that year going into it and one para, but sometimes two kids can feel like a classroom full of 30 kids. Oh, and for sure. I, I don't think I fully, I don't want to say I got over it. That's not the right word to say, but I don't feel like I allowed myself to process that previous year to start fresh for the next year. And I think that it just was just the snowball effect that went into that next year. Mm -hmm. So when you left the classroom, did the anxiety and the burnout subside or what is it that, how is it that you're focusing your attention now? When I left the classroom, like I said, I, I hit it. I felt like a failure and it's something that I'm still working through with, with all of my Dolores and my anxiety. Um, so I hit it for the first year and I had a panic attack on my birthday weekend, my husband had planned this huge celebration and I had a panic attack in the hotel room on our vacation. And he was like, you need to go to therapy. And I was like, I need to go to therapy. So once I started going to therapy, I was able to work through it. So it was, it was just really hard. It's still something that affects me being out of the classroom. I still, as weird as it is to say, have teacher anxiety about what I went through and my season, even though I'm out of my season now, it just, it's still very fresh in my mind some days. And I, I, it doesn't go away. I don't think not for me personally. 
So I know you told me we were talking a little bit before I hit record yeah. and you told me that you and your husband, now you have moved a lot of districts simply because of his career and you move yes. a lot and you're considering going back into the classroom once yes. you find your new location. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts about that process. I am equal parts really excited because, so I've been off the last two years and I've really worked on my website and just making resources and mentoring teachers and helping them that way. But I miss having a classroom. I miss the kids. I just miss it so much. I feel like that is what I was put on this earth to do. So I'm ready to get back into it. But at the same time, I'm terrified terrified because I feel like I'm in a really good place mentally and I'm afraid to go back and roller coaster again. Mm -hmm. So it, when I do go back, it will be take it day by day and kind of work through all of these self-care things that I've learned over the last two years with my therapist and just on my own. And I mean, really just take it day by day. Yeah. So uh, will you go back into special education or do you think you'll... Yes. You'll try. You will. Okay. No, I will go back into special ed. I don't know what. I will find the right thing for me and it'll come. I'm excited for that day, but I'm also really nervous. <laughs> yeah. I think we could all relate to that, that excited, yeah. nervous feeling at the same yeah. time. Tell us a little bit about, you mentioned two things and we'll touch on both of them, but okay. um, you mentioned, you know, self-care that you've been practicing. Mm -hmm. And I definitely would love to hear your, your top tips and strategies for that self-care. Because yes. if, if you've listened to the podcast many times, listeners, you know that I am definitely an advocate for self-care, but I'm yes. definitely an advocate for self-care that goes deeper than getting a massage or having a yes. bath. Yes. So, and I think Stephanie and I definitely agree on that <laughs> level. But yes. you mentioned Dolores, and now I follow you on Instagram, and I've heard yes. you talk about Dolores, but for yes. people who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about who this entity <laughs> is and uh, why you decided to give it a name and, and how you work through these interactions with Dolores. Dolores is not a very nice person. She is the name that I have given to my anxiety. I decided to give my anxiety a name. It just came to me one day. Um, the thing with anxiety is it's without, I know it sounds crazy, but you have a voice in your head and it's not your own voice. And I am over these past two years, I've become very, very good at distinguishing between my voice, Stephanie Delezzi's voice and the anxiety voice. And when I explain how I'm feeling to my husband or to my friends or to my therapist, I wanted to be able to say, well, Stephanie feels this way, or I feel this way. I know that this is the truth, but my anxiety is telling me this. So I wanted to give her a name and I mentioned something in my Instagram stories and I'm a huge like Jurassic Park nerd and Harry Potter nerd. I love them. And one of my followers, she was like, you should name your anxiety Dolores after Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. She's like the bad character in the whole series. And she, her big thing is you must not tell lies and anxiety is lies. That's what it is. And I was like, that's perfect. That is perfect. So Dolores is Dolores. <laughs> Now that we know who Dolores is, yes. when she rears her ugly head, what are your top self-care strategies and what is it that you say to yourself? How do you 
kind of take yourself through the, these interactions or this struggle that you have with specific anxieties? Dolores, I've noticed, likes to come out when I have not slept well, when I've not eaten well, and when, not, when I've not had enough water. So on a daily basis to keep her away, I make sure that I'm eating correctly. And that doesn't mean like I'm eating a salad for like every day. It's just making sure that I'm eating, reminding myself to eat. Because when I'm anxious, I don't eat. My brain is just shuts off and it's in protection mode. So those are things I do on a daily basis, making sure I get enough sleep, making sure I get enough water and making sure that I'm eating so that Dolores doesn't come out. <laughs> but she does. Dolores likes to come out. So when she does come out, one thing that I've really learned to work through, especially because I hid how I felt for an entire year, the first thing I allow myself to do is to feel whatever I'm feeling. Let Dolores yell at me in my mind. Let her tell me whatever she's going to say. And then I write it in a notebook. I just got a regular notebook um, from the store and I write down what she says. And this is part of cognitive behavior therapy that my therapist has started with me. So I found it really helpful to journal out what she's saying. So I'm going to feel the emotions. I'm going to cry it out. And it's like an ugly cry. It's just the cry and get it out. That's how I release my emotions. So during this, I'm feeling my emotions. I'm crying and I'm either talking to my husband about it or I'm texting one of my friends who has been there with me through the whole process. And I have really good friends who know who I am and what Dolores's voice is. So they're able to walk me through like, well, that's Dolores. That's not what you think. So what's the truth? And that's the big thing with anxiety. When you're in the middle of an attack or just these anxious moments and why I journal, I write down what Dolores says. And then the next day or Later that day, when I'm feeling more myself and Dolores is calmer, I will go back and write next to whatever Dolores said to me, I will write the truth. So Dolores really likes to say the same things over and over to me. So I don't always have to write down what I'm feeling because she likes to harp on the same thing. So in my next attack, if she's saying those things to me again, I can go look at my journal in the middle of an attack and read the truth. And that really helps me come out of it. What a fantastic strategy. Yeah. I love that so much. <laughs> and I've seen you also on Instagram in your stories that you have actually posted on a wall, these lies. And then I write over them. tell us a little bit about that. I love that you make oh it visual like that. I did that because I am fully aware how silly the things Dolores tells me are. And I, my way to cope through some of it is humor. So in Harry Potter in the movies, Dolores, she has um, Mr. Filch make this huge wall of like, what do they call them? Are they Something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And they're the rules for the school. Yes. And so I was like, well, I'm going to make my list of crazy rules that Dolores says that I'm not allowed to do. And then I'm just going to write, I must not tell lies all over it and tear it down. I like to poke, poke fun at her because I know that she's wrong and it, makes me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you're so open about 
your struggle with anxiety and that you give it a name. Um, you know, you, and you've even said, you know, I think, you know, some people might think it's silly that I give my anxiety a name, but you're so, so strong in your stance against this anxiety. But I I have to even back up a little bit because you said you hid it for a year. And I think that's something that we should spend some time talking about because one of the reasons that burnout becomes so bad in a teacher's life or in anybody's life is because they're ashamed. They are shameful of how they are feeling. And I can definitely relate to that. So tell us a little bit about this year that you hid all of these feelings that you were having. When I left the classroom, I was diagnosed with anxiety, like right at the point when I decided to leave. And I, in my mind, thought, if I don't think about it, if I don't tell anybody what the doctor said, if I don't take the medicine, if I don't go to therapy, if I just pretend it never happened, it will go away. Mm. And it actually, it made it worse. Mm -hmm. But I tried really hard for a year to make it go away. And it's one of those things where I wish I could give it back. Like, I just wish I could give my anxiety back. What did I do to get this? I really thought if I just didn't think about it, it would go away. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I was ashamed because there's so much stigma around having a mental illness and people look down on you for saying you have anxiety or depression and you're just categorized into this just stigma of negativity and it's not true. And I played into it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm bad because I have anxiety. I'm a disappointment because I have anxiety. So I hit it. So I didn't have to tell anybody. So I didn't have to feel even more like a disappointment. and. So for that year that you struggled, you didn't talk about it. To no so, one. I didn't tell anybody. Was it, was it your panic attack during that birthday weekend that finally yes. you, you decided to do something about it then? Yes. It wow. was the wake-up call that I couldn't handle it on my own, and I needed outside help to help me get through it. Yeah. I can definitely relate. I can relate to you in a couple of uh, things here. I left the classroom in the middle, in the middle of the school year mm-hmm. um, back in 2014, 2015, it was December. And, uh, but it was because I did take a job at a, um, at a local nonprofit. It was an mm-hmm. education nonprofit. And, but it was because I was burned out of my situation. Yeah. I loved my kids. My class was amazing. It was just, there were several things that I had let build up yeah. because I didn't talk about it. But before I left that school year, I had a really public breakdown and yeah. it had to do with my dog. And I don't know. If, <laughs> and it's, it's embarrassing to talk about because it's so silly. It's so trivial, but, but it's it, not, it feels silly, but it, it feels right. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it's situations like that, that it's like, why, why did you allow it to get so bad? Why yeah. have you not talked about this? Yeah. And it was, my friends were calling my husband and they were, were worried about Amber. She came in. We thought you died today because she was such a wreck coming home. Yeah. yeah. I had gone to let my dog out to go to the bathroom. He was a puppy and yeah. he had gone to the bathroom all over his kennel. And I just, Aww. I just lost it. Yeah. And went back into school. We lived like three minutes away from my house or from the school and um, went back to school and they were like, what's wrong? What happened? And I'm like, my dog and he cried. Oh. It was 
Hor- it was hor- it was so embarrassing, but at the same time, it was so confirming that something was something wrong. is off. Yeah, something was wrong, and I and I clearly knew that, but I didn't want to talk about it. And if I did talk right. about it, it was in the form of venting, and I wasn't seeking support. And right. I really feel like that's where that's where Burns and Teacher really started was because of that story. So I can tell you what I did about it, but I really want to hear about how you. You said you write down, you write these lies and then you write them Is there anything else that you do on a regular basis? You said you eat well, you drink lots of water, you try to get plenty of rest, you write down the lies and you write down the truths. Is Is there anything else that you can offer our listeners? Yes, I have always been... Even in high school when like Zanga blogs were a thing, <laughs> I'm going to age myself just a little bit here, but I have always read quotes and I've always found solace and comfort in knowing that somebody wrote this and they feel just like I do. So in those moments when I feel very alone, because you feel very alone in these moments of burnout and anxiety and depression, you feel like nobody else understands, nobody gets it. So quotes have always been my saving grace to help me get through things. Quotes and music. I actually have an anxiety playlist on my phone. Mm -hmm. And it starts out with all the sad, sappy, you're really sad songs, you know, feeling the emotions. And then it goes into, okay, well, now it's time to put your big girl panties on and get over it. You're good. Like, let's go. And it, it just works its way through all of those songs. And then the end of the playlist is like, Pharrell happy and like all those like feel good songs you just want to get up and dance to and it helps me it's like a two-hour playlist Mm -hmm. so it really gives me time to feel the emotions of all of these songs and these are songs that I've heard since I was diagnosed with anxiety that helped me get through those first couple of months even though I was hiding it from everyone songs that I hear now songs from the 70s and 80s I mean it's just a collection of songs that allow me to feel every single emotion and then get back to who Stephanie is and not who Dolores is. I love, I love that so much that you, that you're advocating for the allowance to yes. feel the feelings instead of saying, no, either I don't have time for this right now, or I'm just, this is not important for me to acknowledge. I have a favor to ask of you. Yes. Can you share? I know you shared images of your playlist on Instagram. Yes. Can you send me those images uh-huh. so that I can put them in the show notes? Yes, I actually I know the listeners are going to want to know what they are. I will. I'm getting ready to actually update it and add some new songs. So after I do that, I will send it over to you. Awesome. Yes. So yeah. that'll be in the show notes, listeners, for whenever you're ready to create your own playlist. So if yeah. you have a name for your playlist, your, your anxiety playlist. It's just call called it? my random playlist. Random. I don't label it. it my anxiety playlist. <laughs> I guess because of my own stigma with having anxiety, <laughs> but some days I go into it and I just listen to it from the middle on. Like I'm not feeling sad, but I'm feeling a little off. So I'll listen to it from like the middle on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't really have, it's just my random playlist. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much because you are preparing for that hardship. You yeah. know that you're going to have those feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I talk about in the burned in teacher training is preparing for hardship. Just because you have these strategies and tools in place does not mean that you are not going to face, face challenges or go through yeah. something. Um, so, you know, it, I compare it to, you know, do you stash toilet paper in your house? Do you wear a seatbelt? Do you practice fire drills at school? You yeah. Know, 
asking those questions because in our life, we, we are always preparing for hardship and that's not being doomsday. That's just being smart. It's human. That's what we're wired to do. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your resources that you create. Is that something that brings you calm and peace? Is that something that you just really enjoy doing? It is. I started doing it in 2011 when I couldn't find a teaching job in Pennsylvania after I had gotten married. So I started it in 2011 and it's just kind of grown over the years. And it's, it's what I've done full time for the last two years. And I, I truly enjoy it. It is, it is a full-time job. I do like eight to 10 hours a day of working on resources or my website. Um, but I love it. It, it keeps me connected to the classroom and I'm still helping teachers and teaching kids in this way. Mm-hmm. And so you'll it does. Be able to use them someday whenever you go back into the classroom. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you're preparing as well. Yes. So would you say that's another way for you to deal with anxiety is to find something that you truly love? Because I yes. know you, you you sell these resources, but it is not only a job, it seems like it's it's a hobby for you as it well. It is. It is my creative outlet mm-hmm. to express, you know, the one love of my soul, you know, teaching is, it's ingrained in every part of who I am. So it's my way to express that with the world Mm -hmm. in a way that's very new. You know, it's not the traditional, you're in a classroom, you're a classroom teacher way, but I'm still, I'm still teaching. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people benefit from those resources. Yeah. So is there anything else that you suggest? to help teachers if they're struggling with burnout or anxiety. Another thing too that we've kind of talked about but not really talked about is therapy. There's also a stigma around having a therapist. And I can tell you back in 2014, I needed a therapist. Yeah. And I I never I never went to one. I I think sometimes I still could use a therapist. (laughs) I love my therapist. So tell us a little bit about therapy as much as you're comfortable, you know, and how that changed you. I will scream it from the heavens that everyone should go to therapy because it helped me so much. I think it's very important to note about therapy that you have to find the right therapist for you. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate enough that my PCP recommended the therapist that I have and we clicked immediately. And we, we have this great connection that where she's able to help me and I feel comfortable with her, but I know that it's not like that for everyone. So if you've been to therapy and you didn't feel comfortable, try a new therapist. That is my first recommendation. But I get a lot of questions about therapy, like how do you open up? And I just say, I open my mouth. Like I told you before the podcast, like I could talk for hours. I'm very in tune with how I feel. And I know that's not everybody's normal. But when you're in therapy, really just let it all out. And I don't, I have a therapy session coming up in two weeks and I wrote down, I have a notebook here full of things that I want to talk to my therapist about. So I don't forget because she always asks, how have you been and how are things? And it'll have been five weeks since I've seen her when I do see her, which is the longest besides moving, you know, how long since I've seen her. So Mm -hmm. it's really going to help. Now with all of your moves that you've had, yeah. Is, do you meet virtually or, you know, have you had the same therapist now for a couple of years? When I first went to therapy, we were in Houston and again, my PCP recommended this therapist. I'm sorry. Can you help me understand what a PCP is? A PCP is your primary care physician. Okay. Gotcha. So your primary doctor, they can recommend it. Um, but you can also do research like, um, 
some of your, like your healthcare, they have a website where you can search by what kind of doctor you're looking for. And I know there's psychologists and a psychiatrist. I see a psychologist. And can you tell us the difference? I don't know the difference. Okay. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) I just know somebody asked me and I was like, I don't, psychologist so I had to look at like her email thing and see what it said I'll do a little bit of research and at the end of this podcast episode I will have the answer for you yeah I don't I don't know the difference um I've always wondered myself but it's never come up in conversation so when I started seeing my therapist in Houston it was an in-person therapy and we started I want to say it was once a week for a couple of weeks and then we did every other week And then we found out we were moving and I just didn't go back. And I started noticing probably in January of this past year, so just a couple of months ago, that I really could benefit from just talking to her again. And I was nervous to find a new therapist because I didn't want to have to go through all of the telling my story again and So one of my Instagram followers was like, you should just email her and ask if they can, she can do virtual therapy. And I did. And I cried happy tears when she was like, yes, I do virtual therapy. So now we do virtual therapy. We started it with every other week. And for summer, we're doing every month or for, yes, for summer, we're going once a month. And then once back to school starts back in because Dolores usually picks up at back to school time, I will go every other week again. Okay. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with the Virgin Teacher listeners before we sign off for today? Yes. The one thing that you said about something I said, how I said to feel the emotion and allow yourself time to feel it. I actually came across this quote, speaking of how much I love quotes. And it says, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness. So you have to decide which one you want to make time for. You, you can't ignore yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier to take care of yourself healthy than to take care of yourself burnt out and stressed out and anxious and depressed. So, so true. I just so thought true. that was really that is beautiful. Not just beautiful, but yes. yes. And that's, I think that's a good mantra too. You know, I'm a yeah. big fan of writing down things that really speak to you. So it's yeah. your face so you can see it. I, I can yeah. see that one being a really, really good one. And I know you're a big fan of poetry as well. Yes. Yes, I do. I love modern poetry books. I've read so many this year already. Mm-hmm. My daughter is a huge poetry fan. She loves yeah. poetry. Yeah. Yes. That's well, awesome. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about how, you know, different places that the listeners can find you. You can find me on my website, mrsdscorner.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all at Mrs. D's Corner. So let's talk about your involvement in Instagram and you've got a very large following about 80,000 people. So you would think that you would be a huge fan, 100% get on Instagram. It's the greatest place ever. But in fact, we both agree that there are some positives and negatives to being on that platform. Can you tell us a little bit about your opinion about that? Yes. I have a very love hate relationship with Instagram I love Instagram for the connections that it's given me to other teachers. It's how I met my teacher best friends um, that I text all the time. But at the same time, like with all those great ideas, it contributed a lot to my anxiety, especially being out of the classroom 
And that being one thing Dolores harps on, I had to, I created at the beginning of last school year, I created a separate Instagram account that is nothing to do with teaching and it's private. I don't let anybody follow me that I don't personally know. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't want to see classrooms because it's making me anxious, I'll stay on my personal Instagram and read quotes and look at sharks and watch cute puppy videos. So that's how I help with that. It's a very love-hate. It's great, but at the same time, it's so detrimental. What do you think is the most detrimental, not just to Stephanie, but to teachers in general? Because I know that the talk about social media, not just Instagram, but the talk mm-hmm. about social media causing that anxiety is, is pretty prevalent right now. It is. I think it has a lot for me to do even um, with just having a classroom and, you know, you're a teacher, you should have a classroom and look at all these teachers on Instagram who have perfect classrooms and you don't have that. And that's Dolores likes to harp on that. But at the same time for other people that are still in the classroom, there's this Pinterest perfect Instagram worthy. You have to have everything, all of your ducks in a row. And that's not real teaching Mm -hmm. like at all. And I'll say I post pictures like that. I do. But that, it's a staged picture, guys. Like, a lot of work goes into that square box to make it look good. That is not real teaching at all. Thank you so much for stamping that as the truth, that it's (laughs) not real teaching. And that's what I told teachers, too. You know, you can go onto Pinterest and get ideas. You can go onto Instagram, teachers pay teachers, whatever. But know that a lot of those pictures are not real. They might be a and, real picture, but they're and not they might use it. They might use it in their classroom and it, it works. It's not that it doesn't work, that it's not real or whatever the, you know, the picture is. It's just take a look at how they stage the picture. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not what their guided reading station looks like right. all day long, every single day. Right. So, and I, I would love it if they would just, you know, people that post pictures like that, I would love it if they would disclose how many people help them, how much money it costs, and how much time. Yeah. I think that's only fair. I think we're starting to see, and I've noticed a little bit more, that teachers are sharing the real classroom. Mm -hmm. I I have started to, to notice that. I think a lot of us are getting really sick of seeing these staged photos of these perfect classrooms with beautiful decor. And if that's who you are as a teacher, that's fabulous. Do you boo? Like (laughs) I'm all for that. But for a lot of us, that's not us. And it's okay to not have that classroom. So I I love that a lot of teachers are kind of taking that stand and starting to stand up more and be like, well, this is really what my classroom looks like. Mm -hmm. It's a hot mess express. Mm -hmm. So I love it. And you heard it here. It is okay (laughs) for your classroom not to look like an Instagram picture. Absolutely. Or Pinterest or Facebook. Mm -hmm. Make it look like your classroom. Yes. Make it yours. And making it yours means allowing for some grace. Yes. Yes. Stephanie, thank you so much for, yes. for all of your advice and for sharing your story. I know sometimes it's really hard and especially in, the, in this public of a place, you know, where you're just kind of laying it all out there. I yes. really, really appreciate it. I know the listeners do too. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. There is one more piece of this interview. All right. And I do have one specific question that I'm going to ask you okay. because I feel like I know you, but there's the burned in teacher lightning round because our conversations are so serious and, yeah. you know, typically focus around burnout. 
um, I like to have a little bit of fun by doing okay. a, this or that lightning round. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I have a couple I'm going to ask you just kind of off the cuff randomly. And then I have one that I've specifically planned for you. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Hot chocolate or coffee? Hot chocolate. Morning or evening? Morning. Text okay. message or call? Oh, don't call me text message all the way. Ooh, yeah, me too. For sure. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to ask this one. It's not a this or that. What's, okay. your favorite, what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, goodness gracious, a velociraptor. <laughs> Can you tell us why? Why do you like the velociraptor just, so much? I want a pet velociraptor. I just <laughs> want one. I don't know. They're just, I just love them. I have no explanation. <laughs> they are terrifyingly cute and they're small, right? I, yes. I think if there actually ever were a real life Jurassic Park, I probably would pee my pants. <laughs> but I would be so excited at the same time. And how many times a week do you watch Jurassic Park? Too many. Yeah. It you is know, Friday. I've probably watched it twice already this week. I was so sad. I personally love Moana. <gasps> oh, it is my favorite of all of the movies ever made in life. And I'm, I'm not yeah. ashamed. It's, it's a kid's movie. It's I love so it good. so much because I love her story of going for it, even though everybody yeah. and everything is telling her no, yes, her not to try. I love it so much. I was so sad when they took it off of Netflix. <gasps> they took it off of Netflix. It, I'm, I'm going to have to end up going and buying it because I would watch that movie oh and I would gosh, watch yeah. it like in the background as I'm working on stuff. That's know? what I do. It's mm -hmm. my, I can put it on and I don't really have to pay attention to it because I know all the words, mm -hmm. but it am still background noise. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Love it. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. It was so nice to get to know you better and to hear your story. Yes, I'm really, really thank grateful. Thanks so for having me. So there you have it. I hope that you found this interview with Stephanie valuable and that you now truly believe that you can take control over the lies that you've been telling yourself and that it's okay to seek professional help. It's actually recommended if you're struggling with the lies being so strong that you need help finding the truth. Take baby steps, and over time, you're going to realize that those tiny baby steps and you taking care of your mental health will lead to huge results and huge gains for you in your life. Until next time, take a deep breath. You just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. <laughs>